Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Hilchas Maser, Laws of Tithing, Patek Dalid, Chapter 4. And once again, the issue with tithing is, at what point in the process does the obligation to tithe kick in? At what point in the maturity or maturation process? Aleph 1, Ein HaTevel, Nikbala Maestres Minatayra, by Biblical Torah law, trum, uh, produce, that's Tevel, meaning produce from which Truma has not been separated, does not become into a situation where it has been established with the obligation of Maeser, until the farmer actually brings the readied grain into his house. Until that point, biblically, the obligation did not kick in. Shanamar, as the verse says in the declaration, when the farmer declares, I believe, in the third year, I have removed all hallowed things from the house, meaning that hallowed things, that produce is kept in the house, in the pantry. Now, in order to really technically kick in by Torah law, and this is a very famous law, he has to bring it in through the gate, through the front door. Shanamar, as it says, the Torah uses the verbiage, and they shall eat it, in your gates. So the produce must be taken through the gate in order for the obligation of, of mice, rather, to kick in. But if for some reason, if he brought his produce in, through the roof, or through the yard area in a roundabout way. He never goes through the doorway. Potter minatruma, then he is technically exempt both from truma, uminamaisris, he's technically exempt from maiser, from tithing. And this was and is a way where biblically, technically, one could avoid the obligation of Truma and Meiser, simply not bring it into the house through the front door. Beis Yeroeli, the Rambam now, concludes from this principle, it appears to me, and again, the word, it appears to me, is a code word where the Rambam is giving his own opinion, unlike most of the other times where he's quoting from others, from Gemara, from Poskim, from Mishnah, from Talmud, from Halachic decisors. Here he says, this is my opinion, that there can never be an applied biblical lashes for eating food from which Truma and Maeser has not been separated biblically until he actually establishes this as Produce by bringing it into his house, as we explained from the oral tradition. If, however, if was merely established by one of the other six methods which we talked about in an earlier chapter, in an earlier chapter we talked about there are six things that if they're done, 
it kicks in the obligation. Ain lake in being that he didn't take it in through the front door, there cannot be ever an application of biblical lashes. There can only be the application of rabbinic lashes. The six things war we learned earlier, bringing it into a courtyard, a transaction with it, subjecting it to fire, salting it, separating truma, and the commencement of Shabbos, as pointed out in chapter 3, halacha 3. Okay. And similarly speaking, if somebody eats from produce, which the farmer has in mind to take to the marketplace to sell, and it's already complete in its cycle of completion, still we learned earlier that biblically selling stuff does not require miser. Only rabbinically. Therefore, there can only be an application of rabbinic lashes here. As we explained, because we learned earlier that the farmer who makes a decision to sell this produce, he's not obligated by Torah law to tithe. Only by rabbinic law. So now that we've established that by Torah law, the produce has to be brought into the house in order to kick in the Torah obligation of Truma and Mises. Now we need to define what is a house. A house is a home. A home is a house. Better homes and gardens. Bay is a house. That doesn't have four cubits by four cubits. It doesn't have six feet by six feet. That's not called a house for Truma and Mises purposes. Similarly speaking, Gardens don't... Hagagim, I'm sorry, I said that, I read that wrong. Hagagim, roofs. Enam kevim, do not establish it. Even though the house below does, but the roof doesn't. But if the roof was smaller than four by four, for example, it was a house with a horizontal, narrow roof. Then it doesn't exempt from Meiser. This roof, being that it's slanted and small, is merely an extension of the house. I'm just going to have a sip of tea. I made a bracha earlier. Dalid. Hatsrifim viharburganim. Somebody brings the produce into lean tos, guard houses. Summer shelters, it's like four pillars with a roof, without walls. So also, huts constructed by workers who live in the vineyard and gardens in the summer. Even though they live there all summer, it's their house. It can have mills, it can have chickens. This does not establish the rule to kick in the obligation of Meiser. This is not a house. So also, Sukkot of the Yotzer, of the potter, built by the potter, and and the Sukkot of the Sukkot festival, they do not establish 
the obligation, the biblical obligation of Meiser. Shakol Eloin didos and Keva. None of these are permanent dwellings. By the very definition, the Sukkot of the Sukkot festival may not be a permanent dwelling. Hey, Hatsifim the Aburganim Tablim Lubaleim. Lean tos and guard houses do establish an obligation to tithe as long as the owner of the produce is the one that did it. Even though they don't create the tevel situation, the obligation for Truma Maiser for everyone else. So also, bringing produce into a school, bringing produce into a synagogue, will only create the obligation of Truman Meiser, meaning make the produce tebel for the one who sits and teaches, because it is his house, so to speak, but they don't cause others to have the obligation of Truman Meiser. Zion, a place of prayer and Torah study, if there is a residence along with it, Cave him, then they establish. Some synagogues have residences attached to them for visitors and so on and so forth. But if not, and cave him, then they don't establish because it's not a house. Stables, storehouses in the fields that are built to store produce. Enam Kavim do not establish the obligation. But if they were as a dwelling, Kavim they do. Zion Shem Shabbai's Kavela Maiser, just as we talked earlier, a house establishes the full obligation biblically for tithing. So also a courtyard sort of does the same thing. And therefore, if they entered through the gateway into the courtyard, even though once having gone through the gateway, they don't actually go into the house, that's fine. What's considered a courtyard? Wherever a person feels secure that his stuff is protected. A secure courtyard. Or a person will feel comfortable having dinner out in the courtyard. Why? Because it's private. A chotzer or a yard. Where if a person will enter into it, they'll say to him, Hey, you, what do you want? But if you don't have the ownership rights to say, Hey, you, what do you want? That's a problem. In, in, in uh, Southern California, there's some very beautiful, exclusive areas in Malibu, which face the ocean. And uh, there's ocean frontage. You walk out the porch and you, you go a little bit and you go into the ocean. But the owner does not have a right to say to a stranger, Hey, you, what do you want? Because it was decided, and this went through courts, in court cases, that you can't own something that abuts to the ocean. The ocean walkway is free for everyone to go. So when you can say, hey, you, what are you doing in my yard? That means it's your house, which you can't do in Broad Beach in Balibu. Okay, I just wanted to wake everybody up. And then I lost my place. Um, I think we're on Zion 7. No. Ha, uh, 
Seven? Well, we're going to go with seven. Kishem, Shabbai. No, we did that already. In the middle of eight. V'chein chotzer sheyesh boshnei diurim. So also a yard which is shared by two dwellers or two partners. One opens it and goes in. The other comes and goes and closes it. Even though two people share it, but they open and they close, it's okay. It's still private. So therefore, it can, acqu- it can kick in the obligation for Meiser. A gatehouse or a courtyard or an exadra. And here, my friends who are here with me, we have distributed a diagram of the exadra. We actually have had this earlier in the laws of Shabbos, in the laws of Erevin. This is a Greek porch. An exadra is a structure common in Greek and Roman times with two or three walls and a roof. Occasionally there would be an opening in the roof. And the question is whether this exadra or a porch whether this kicks in the obligation for Truma, for Meiser. Harein Kachatz, it's considered like a courtyard. In Meiser Kevaz, Kevim, if the courtyard established the obligation, then so does this Exadra. Vimlavin, if not, Einim Kevim, it does not. Yud, Shtechatzed, Azulif, Nimizu, one courtyard, one within the other. Shtechem Kevim, they both kick in the obligation. Sukhasayetzim, Zulif, Nimizu. What if there were Sukkahs, huts, one within the other, apnimis kavas. The inner one establishes the obligation for maiser, not the outer one. Machanus, a store, kavas kabayas, is like a house. People treat their stores like their houses. Since a person, he says, spends so much time in a store, it's considered as equivalent to a house for him. If somebody transports his produce from place to place, like I guess a traveling salesman, even though he goes into homes and in courtyards while he's on the journey, his produce is not established for the Meiser obligation. He can eat snacks from it until he comes to his destination, to his ultimate destination. So also on his return. Up to that point in time, he's just a traveling salesman. Or he's just, I'm sorry, he's just journeying. 11 is about journeying. 12 is about a traveling salesman. A traveling salesman who go from yard to yard. Same law can eat intermittently until they come to the place where they will spend the night. Where they will spend the night will be their ultimate destination. And he explains here what's the difference between 12 and 11. 11 had to actually reach his ultimate destination house. Whereas 12, where he spends the night, the answer is because 12, he's a traveling salesman. That's what he does for the rest of his life. He travels. He doesn't have an ultimate destination. Where does he live? Like the story goes. Kid says, you know, our grandma, you know, she lives in the airport. When we need her, we go get her. When we're finished with her, we bring her back. The traveling salesman lives on his horse. Yud Gimel, so that's again the explanation of the difference between 11 and 12, and I'm sorry I misstated 11.
13, I may be tainim and I saw the lachan b'chotzer apturim and amaisris. If somebody brings figs from the field to partake in them in a courtyard, which is exempt from maaser, shachach v'nichem l'sech beis, and he forgot, he left them in his house, he may bring them out and eat intermittently from them because he didn't intend to. If he forgot and brought them up to the roof, he can eat intermittently, snack on the roof, before Maeser Havi and Lachem Beresh Gagai, if he brought them to eat on the pitch of his roof, he brought them into the house of his a courtyard of his friend. Nigbu, now it's been established, and he must first set aside the tithe before he eats. 14. When a courtyard has been plowed, it's like a garden. You can eat intermittently if most of it has been plowed. But if most of it has been sown, you can't eat intermittently if most of it has been planted. Or if he planted for, to beautify it, being that it's been plowed, he can eat intermittently from those trees. Fifteen, a fig tree is growing in the courtyard. He can have one fig at a time, intermittently before Meiser, but if he collects them all, the obligation of Meiser kicks in. If he stands on the ground, but if he went to the top of the fig tree, he can fill his bosom up with figs, and have some figs up there. Because the airspace of the courtyard does not establish. If the fruit tree was standing in the courtyard, leaning into the garden, he can eat in the garden, usually, as usual, as if it was planted in the garden. It was planted in the garden, leaning into the courtyard. It's treated as if it's planted in the courtyard. He can only eat one at a time, as mentioned earlier, 17. When a vine is planted in a courtyard, he should not pick up an entire cluster and eat of it before Meiser, Ella Megargar Echad Echad. Instead, he picks the grapes one by one. The same goes for pomegranates. Laito Eskolarim, and he shouldn't take the whole pomegranate. Ella Peret Asarim Boilan, but he can pick apart the pomegranate on the tree. Vaichla Peret Misham and eat the seeds. Bchena Babatiach. So also with a watermelon, Kepsi Bekarka Mechlasham. He could bend it over to the ground and partake of it there. If he was eating a cluster of grapes in the garden, he went into the courtyard, even though he came out, he should not finish. He should not continue eating until he separates tithes. 18 closing paragraph of this chapter. When a coriander is planted in a courtyard. He could pick it leaf by leaf and partake of it. But if he gathers them all together, that kicks in the Meiser. I believe we talked about this earlier. Any other similar situation. End of chapter 4.